Your source for community, Muskoka-made talk shows are on Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7. Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. This is Sweet Spots on Muskoka Magazine. Welcome to Sweet Spots on Muskoka Magazine, where passions, purpose, and pursuits collide. I'm Sue Kelly, and for the next 30 minutes, I'll be shining a spotlight on someone who has created their unique sweet spot in life. This broadcast is coming to you from the Bay's Satellite Studio at the very cool sweet spot in Gravenhurst, the Sawdust City Brewery. Today, my guest is the author of Dear Braveheart, Sherry Rondo. It's a story of a caregiving caregiver's loving journey through Alzheimer's and dementia. So welcome to the show, Sherry. Hello, Sue. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Oh, it's delighted to see you. We got to know each other through the Muskoka Authors Association. Correct. Yeah, I think like 10 years ago. Pretty close. Yeah, and we've attended lots of workshops and things together. And so, you know, Sherry, before we begin, what is your sweet spot in life? Well, I have to say, coincidentally, because I've finished reading your book, I was delighted to find that my sweet spot is the same as it's always been, which is helping other people. That's what gives me the greatest satisfaction. I can see that threaded throughout your book. Yes, and so before we get into Dear Braveheart, uh, I think our listeners would like to know a little bit about who Sherry Rondo is. So can you share a bit about your past? Well, yes, and I'm happy to say I don't have any kind of a criminal record, so (laughs) that should be helpful to people. I uh, came to Muskoka in 1982 from the city of North Bay, and uh, my husband at the time was a musician, and I was there with him, and I was driving North Bay City bus. Really? A bus driver? Yes. Wow. And... uh, In the evenings, I had created a children's cooking school through Canador College, and so I taught children's cooking from uh, elementary, intermediate, advanced, and international cooking, and I had, um, at the end of the 10th lesson, the students would prepare a full-course meal for their parents to come and enjoy, and I also did some adult education uh, cooking classes for Canador. Well, no wonder you talk a lot about cooking and <laughs> themes and uh, all this in your book. Uh, well, that uh, makes perfect sense. And what else do we not know about Sherry? Well, when I came to Muskoka, it was because all of my family was in the city and a, a new baby girl had been born and I felt too far away, even though I love the North. So um, my husband and I came down to the bustling metropolis of Dwight and we came in um, on Labor Day weekend, so the year-round population was dwindling to, at the time, about 55 people year-round, not including the cats and dogs. So it was quite a, quite a change of scene. And uh, we lived uh, at Logging Chain Lodge, which has been, you know, a sweet spot for many years. And um, then uh, I began to work with my husband. We were doing a children's entertainment duo. We called ourselves the Entertainers, and we did um, a lot of school performances and all the resorts at Christmas and birthday parties and that. So it was a lot of fun. Well, that is amazing. Um, And so just to set the stage for your book, When You Met Your Second Husband. So just, so what happened to your first husband? 
Uh, I was working at the hospital in Bracebridge, and um, he died suddenly at home uh, on his own, and um, we were supposed to go out for dinner, and he was late picking me up, so the host and hostess um, came to get me at work, and we went home, and he had died in a in a sleep in the afternoon nap. Oh, dear. So it was a, a shock, as you can imagine, but um, I think sometimes people are... Uh, not inspired to move forward, but there's some of us who will not stand still and we can't back up. You have to go ahead. And uh, just as a side remark, I remember that my colleagues at the hospital were dismayed when I went back to work within a couple of days. But what are you going to do? You know? Mm-hmm. So I just moved on from there. And So how old were you at that time? 45. Okay. So alrighty. So now, Sherry, we move on to um, your book, yes. Dear Braveheart. And so um, I might say right at the beginning that this book was a surprising read for me. It, e- it easily stands out among other famous books like Still Alice, The 36-Hour Day, and Caregiver's Companion. Um, given that Alzheimer's dementia is a sad and challenging topic, the book was surprisingly light and cheerful, it was full of hope amidst all of the anguish that you experienced. Uh, and so, Sherry, um, let's talk about Tony before we get into the diagnosis. So how did you meet Tony? How did this relationship begin? Well, we were two middle-aged people on our own, neither of us looking to begin another relationship with anybody. And uh, there were two lady friends who were matchmakers, each one unbeknownst to the other. And they would leave notes on his windshield of his truck, and they kept pestering me to call. And uh, it was just, just unwanted, you know, prompts all the time. So we finally met at a small restaurant in Bracebridge to have coffee and get it over with. And um, the story begins. <laughs> oh, well, we'll just, we'll just satisfy these old biddies and check that box, <laughs> and then we can say we did it. That's We're not right. interested. That's right. But it didn't go that way. No, it didn't. No, all righty. And so how old were you now? Just about 47. It was just a little year okay. and a bit. Yeah. Okay. Now, so why did you write Dear Braveheart? Well, um, I'm a pretty practical person, and uh, I found the journey very challenging to navigate those, there's no route to follow, no road map, and I found it challenging, and I thought, gee, I've learned a lot, and Tony and I worked a lot together developing some skills that we just made up out of our heads, and I wanted to help other people. Because as you've mentioned, some of the most familiar Alzheimer uh, books and movies and documentaries are sometimes pretty heavy sledding. Yes, indeed. And, um, you know, what I loved about the book and is another another thing is that it's very practical. So I, I have this book. It's mine. So now you always know because I, I have earmarked it and lines and I've you know, documented lots of stuff. And, um, and one of the themes throughout it is um, practical strategies in helping one uh, care for someone living with Alzheimer's dementia as the disease progressed. Um, and so you know what, I'm going to read a little excerpt right now. 
Uh, and I found this interesting. So, um, in chapter 17, common expressions such as thinking outside the box aren't easily put into place when someone is bound by circumstances not of their own making. For caregivers, the journey is long and and unforgiving, with few options and many obligations. For me and most others, respite was but a dream. I sometimes wondered if the hint of light at the end of the tunnel was an opportunity for relief or was it an oncoming train? Woo! That really <laughs> stuck with me because, I mean, all of us know it was an oncoming train. Definitely. And I don't know what speed it was at, but... It, Pretty fast. Pretty fast. (laughs) All right. Can you comment about that? Uh, The pretty fast or the feelings of uh, being needing respite? Both? Okay. Well, um, I think the progress of dementia or any terminal illness depends a lot on the person, the patient. And um, some people move, move through the different stages quickly and alongside of that is the caregiver who's walking in their own moccasins. I mean, we're each on our own journey, but you're walking in step. So uh, for me, because I've, some people think I forfeited my career in real estate, and that's not true. I willingly closed my business because I wanted to stay home and look after my husband. But going from you know, a helter-skelter schedule where you're out day and night, seven days a week, to being confined to barracks was a a pretty desperate change. And I just wasn't used to being uh, so confined. Yeah, so what or who were your greatest supports during this time? The greatest support, without a doubt, was the Alzheimer's Society um, of Muskoka. They offer a learning series for... Uh, patients, well, not patients, but people who have been diagnosed, as well as their partners or caregivers. And through the years of research, they have a, a an easy line of steps to follow. And that was valuable for me. Plus the fact, which is even more important, is the fellowship that the caregivers developed among ourselves in the support group. We could go there once a month and just let fly and tell each other where we were stuck and somebody might pipe up and say well I did the same thing and this is how it worked for me yes, without that, that it was unreal yeah well I you articulate it very well in the book and even the very first time that you walk into the group and I mean that's probably the scariest of all the times you attended absolutely you know but how important it was and and what individuals were were going through in their own moccasins so to speak um and you articulate that really well sherry so you know what it seems to be a good point we're going to take a quick break we've been talking to sherry rondo author of of dear braveheart i'm sue kelly and you're listening to sweet spots on muskoka magazine by Muskoka for Muskoka, your collection of Muskoka-based talk shows. Muskoka Magazine, The Bay, 88.7. I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental, and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. This is Sweet Spots on Muskoka Magazine. Welcome back to Sweet Spots on Muskoka Magazine. Our guest today is Sherry Rondo, who's the author of 
Dear Braveheart, which is all about, and I've got to grab the book here again, a beautiful cover, a caregiver's loving journey through Alzheimer's and dementia. And I would say it is a love story, really. Correct. Sherry. That's what I was hoping. Yes, it. Um, that's what your, your book was indeed. Um, and so just to uh, summarize for our listeners. Um, so you met Tony um, when you were about 40, 40, 47. 47. Yep. Your first husband died at 40 when you were 45. That's right. And uh, and then you met Tony. And then um, at how, what age was Tony when he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's? He was 77. And how old was he when he died? 84. All right. Now, as you know, I, I'd like to mention, Sue, that um, the Alzheimer's journey can vary for different people. And uh, I was really blessed that um, Tony died um, long before the end. I only had him to care for for seven years. And I, I think I was truly blessed because he knew me right to the end. And that was so precious. And we're not going to give away the end of the book because it is a surprising ending. That's all we're going to say. Right. Right, Sherry? Okay. So one of the loveliest things you did when you're, during your caregiving journey was you would write letters to Tony. Tell, yes. tell us about that. Well, they really were cathartic for me because... I didn't have any way to put forth my inner turmoil. And um, Tony always had a short fuse, and he became mm, not approachable as often. And so I wrote these letters at night when he was in bed just to get things off my chest. And um, I think in retrospect, I might have read one of them to him aloud, but he had lost his ability to read, and uh, a lot of people don't grasp that that's one of the things that could happen. And he also could not write um, if there was a, a birthday card or something he wanted to send. I would have to hand print the signature that he wanted to use, and he would copy it and copy it until he could replicate it on the card. Um, and simple things, cognitive things that we just take for granted. Well, how lovely that uh, the receivers of these greeting cards would still have their grandpa or their dad or whatever. And they never knew. And, oh, uh, <laughs> no. well, good for, good for you. Well, it was, uh, I mean, I was proud of him and I respected him entirely and I never wanted uh, to take away from his abilities, even if they weren't what they used to be. So looking back, what was the toughest thing about being a caregiver and caring for someone with Alzheimer's dementia? The feeling of being totally solitary without any support. I mean, the, the caregivers groups we met once a month, um, but it's just so overwhel it's an overwhelming commitment of time, there is not one minute that you're not on duty, day or night, actually. And um, so it was very, very tiring and very lonely. So thank goodness for the Alzheimer's Society. That's right. And that the support group once a month. Yeah. Did you build, I know you built relationships with some of the um, 
uh, members mm-hmm. of the group. Did you ever meet outside of the group, or uh, since our parent, yeah, uh, oh. since our partners have oh. passed away, mm-hmm. a few of us have still kept in touch. But it's a a time in your life when you you work to get through it, and when it's done, you close the door on it. And even despite that, Tony did have a family, but you were still well. On your own. In their defense, um, they lived not in close proximity. Uh, but other than that, it was a solo journey. All right. So if we could, um, going to switch the topic to your writing journey about writing this book. So could you tell me uh, something about the process of writing this, this love story? Well, as I mentioned, I, I wrote the letters to Tony at night, but also I had taken a course through the Muskoka Authors Association and the presenter was teaching us the some different ways of writing your memoir. And her suggestion was that you visualize the end product as a crocheted afghan and do each little granny square step by step, sort them all out at the end, and then crochet them together into the finished piece. So I take this to heart because right now I am um, writing my memoir um, just at the time I was doing Outpost Nursing in northern Manitoba. Now, and I found this extremely helpful. So you write each story. Um, it doesn't, you don't know exactly where it's going to fit. That's right. In the story, in the story arc from start to finish. Correct. But you just write the story, which is, and then you've got lots and lots of the stories. And, and eventually, you know, you'll find out where they fit. That's exactly it. You yes. can't pre-plan it. You just do yes. it bit by bit. And I've, I'm very grateful for that because ah. I was really struggling. So um, that's that's super. Um, so what does the the um, your immediate future look like, Sherry? Well, I'm thrilled to say the sales are bouncing off the shelves. I'm just thrilled, um, not for the um, fact that they're selling, but f- it's fulfilling my desire to help people, and that's just wonderful. So I'm doing quite a few workshops. I've got uh, 10 speaking engagements lined up. Wonderful. Yes, so that's uh, that's my immediate future, and I imagine it will wind down a bit over time. But um, there's going to be some newspaper features and uh, magazine features coming out, which I'm very thrilled about. So it's it's gratifying. That's wonderful. Um, and so, and I understand... On Amazon, in the health category, you are number two. I am. Woohoo! Yes, exactly. That exactly. is so exciting. Our local author here in Muskoka, and so the uh, workshops you're doing are they related to Alzheimer's? Like her different groups having you because you're talking about Alzheimer's dementia. I yes. imagine yes. That's yes. why. Yeah. So um, most of the speaking presentations I have um, include a very short demonstration of different household items that you can use at home, little hints, helpful hints in that. And um, I have to say that I've kept it as far away from being a grim story. I want people to see that there's cheers and hopefulness all the way along. I totally agree. It's a book full of joy and hope, um, even amidst all of the the sadness. Um, and a credit to you, the survivor, um, who put Tony first above herself. All the time. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. I mean, so if anyone's interested in purchasing Dear Braveheart, so it is on Amazon. Um, you can also get it through her pr- publisher, which is Crossfield Publishing. So C- Crossfield Publishing. 
They're in St. Mary's, Ontario. Okay. Yep. Dot com. And it might even be at chapters. I believe it's in chapters as well. All, all right. Um, so it's been a pleasure having you on the show. It's been fun Sherry. for me too. <laughs> it's nice reconnecting. Absolutely. Um, you know, after, after COVID and, uh, because, and through our Muskoka authors, if we put a little plug in, they, we've been meeting on Zoom once a month, mm-hmm. but next uh, month in June, we're going to be meeting in person on the second Thursdays of the month. And you can find, uh, Muskoka authors on Facebook. And, um, or on Zoom, whatever your preference is. It's just a wonderful supportive group. And they always have fabulous, um, authors who speak. And, uh, we just had a fabulous one last night. So, um, it's been, um, a wonderful story of tears and cheers and, uh, um, right to the very end. Thanks again, Sherry, for sharing your passion with us and join me, um, on, Another Sunday morning, I'm on every other Sunday morning at 8 o'clock. And if you miss the show, you can always uh, just go online to Hunter's Bay Radio and under uh, What's Happening, check out the podcasts. Because we are Muskoka on the Bay, CKAR 88.7 on your FM dial. 